Yes, God, we sing that. We believe it. We declare you're the Lord of all. There's nothing that's outside of your control. There's nothing that catches you by surprise. You sit enthroned above all creation. So God, why would we not trust you with everything? So help us today to give it all to you, the good, the bad. Your word tells us that if we give our cares to you, that you will carry them because you are strong enough. Help us to believe that. Speak to our hearts through your word today. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. It is hard to believe it's July the 4th. I mean, last week it was Christmas, and here we are in the middle of the summer. Please look in Mark chapter 12, verses 13 through 17 for some scripture for today. We live in a great country. We live in a, we live in a good country. We live in an imperfect country. We live in a country that makes mistakes. We live in a country that helps people around the world. We live in a country where we can still go to church freely. We live in a country where, unlike some countries, you can stand up on the street corner and badmouth everyone. And still today, hopefully, maybe it depends on what street corner you're on, but you won't go to jail, you won't be beat, you, you might be beat by some. But be careful, I'd be careful what I would say on the Parker County Courthouse. I've seen some, some action over there a time or two. Uh, but we do live in a wonderful country, and all you got to do is go visit some other places. And, and uh, we, we live in a great place, even though we, we see the struggles all the time taking place in our country. Uh, I want to I just very briefly talk about four people that were uh, influential in our life today here in America. William Penn was the son of an admiral in the English Navy. And his dad is the one that Pennsylvania is named after and Penn State and other institutions in our country. But William Penn met a guy in London. Now, William Penn, like most of our founding fathers, was in some way uh, connected with the Church of England, the Anglican Church, uh, and William Penn was baptized in the Anglican Church, Church of England. I, I, too, was baptized as an infant in the Church of England. But later on in life, in his late teens, he met a Quaker in London. And the Quaker began to influence him, and he began to see Jesus in a different way. And he believed in Jesus, and he was born again. But William Penn said, those who will not be governed by God will be ruled by tyrants. I believe that's a true statement. I believe that's a true statement. We see that happening all the time in our country when people choose not to believe in God. They live for themselves. They live in what they believe is right. But they all manufacture their own God. And the God becomes a political party. The God becomes a political issue. Uh, God becomes... Uh, their pleasures, and uh, I'll let that stop. I know everybody's got a little amber alert. That's what that is. Did amber alert? All right. Thank you. Hope she's found or he's found or whatever it is. Or if it's a silver guy, man, I hope he's found too. <laughs> I, I, you know, look out, Lido, Texas, Lee Brewer lost his mind. That mad cow got him, and he was seen driving down a road. 
So look out for them. But that's, what, that's what's happening a little bit in our country, is in our country today, uh, a religion has taken hold, and the religion is the very best men can do. That religion's been around a long time, and that religion believes they control their own destiny, their way is right, and we are seeing that take place. No room for God in their world, and uh, you, are, you are seeing some of the results of that religion that has recently uh, resurfaced in our world, but humanism and, and uh, is always surfaces, and you see it happening. And frankly, in both political parties, you see that taking place. William Penn said that if you choose not to be governed by God, you'll be ruled by tyrants. Be careful of that. Uh, Benjamin Franklin, interesting man. He was a deist. A deist believes that God exists, God created the world, God created human beings, but God is not really involved in the day-to-day activities of people. And so Benjamin Franklin believed that how you live is more important than the God you believe in. However, he made this statement about God, which is not really representative of his beliefs about God, but it's interesting to consider. He said, I have lived, sir, a long time, and the longer I live, the more convincing proofs I see of this truth. God governs in the affairs of men, and if a sparrow cannot fall to the ground without his notice, it is possible that the empire, it is, it is, is it possible that an empire can rise without his aid? That's kind of interesting. I, I wouldn't think a deist would have that kind of awareness of God being intricately involved in nations, but God is definitely involved in nations. George Washington has had a lot written about him, and many of the things in his religious experience can't be proven. But nevertheless, here are some things that are said about him. It is proven that he was baptized as an infant in the Church of England, and it is proven that he attended the England Church uh, most of his life. Now, there's a couple interesting stories, and there's even a real famous painting of George Washington being, being baptized during the Revolutionary War. And, and, and the, the legend says that a Baptist minister by the name of Gano led George Washington to the Lord during the Revolutionary War. And many people come to Christ and, in war, obviously, and, and that he was baptized there. He was born again there in the Revolutionary War. Uh, also, it is recorded by some, and, but it's never been proven, it's never been found in any records or anything like that, that on his deathbed, he sent his servants to go find this Catholic priest in a nearby town that, that he was acquainted with and he liked, and that Catholic priest came out and gave George Washington last rites, baptized him in the Catholic Church. And, and neither of that, can, neither baptism except for the baby baptism can be proven. But God was always involved in his life. There's always something going on with George Washington. This is what George Washington had to say. It is impossible to rightly govern the world without God and the Bible. Do not ever let anyone claim to be a true American patriot if they ever attempt to separate religion from politics. 
Now, that's an interesting statement for George Washington to make because he had seen what King George had done, and he had experienced how the Church of England, governed by the monarchy in England, like today, the queen is over the Church of England. And, and so they, the, 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 the vicars and the priests and, and, and uh, the cardinal of the Anglican church, they go meet with the queen and any major changes that are made in the church. And so she has full right over that. And, and she's the final say. And so that's interesting because one of the reasons why we have freedom of religion and we have separation from church and state is because we weren't going to have any person over the church. In America, and that's one of the things that is part of separation of church and state. And so you see the tension that's going on there a little bit. But it's an interesting thought, and it just goes to show you that William Penn, one of the founders of America, one of the orchestra, uh, architects of America, George Washington, our first president, God was very much involved in their life. Thomas Jefferson. Thomas Jefferson was probably like Costanza on Seinfeld, but brilliant. Thomas Jefferson was all over the world, all over the page. Thomas Jefferson is said that if you read something in the Bible and you don't like, tear that page out. That's Thomas Jefferson. I find it very interesting that Bill Clinton always quoted Thomas Jefferson and what that revealed about Bill Clinton's Baptist heart. Thomas Jefferson, got a big statue of him up at D.C., famous, uh, brilliant, right? He was, he's lauded today as this great leader and great architect of our country. He believed man had all the answers to solve the problems of society. And he said this, which is mind-blowing to me. The reason that Christianity is the best friend of government is because Christianity is the only religion that changes the heart. My first inclination when I, when I read that was, I wonder who he was trying to impress. I wonder who he was trying to, you know, influence. But what a great quote. And we are seeing the pains of unchanged hearts in our country. We're seeing the pain of unchanged hearts among politicians in our country. I mean, the violence, the riots, all that we face today can be traced back to an unchanged heart. All the murders, all the crime that's taking place in our country today, you can trace it back to an unchanged heart among the criminals among the DAs, among the judges, among the politicians. It's, they all have one thing in common. It's an unchanged heart. You see, because there's no way in the world anyone could ever believe that the answer to man's problems is man if their heart has been changed. Because when your heart has been changed, you see the power of Jesus and you go, I couldn't change my heart. I couldn't make good choices. I failed at every point. But when Jesus came into life, there was a power to be different. There was a strength. There was an energy. 
There, there was a reasonableness that I didn't have before. My heart was changed when I believed in Jesus. And so, although I, I personally probably don't, don't agree with a lot of Thomas Jefferson's shenanigans, that's a great quote. That's a great statement, if he indeed made it. And, and, and I wouldn't bet a dollar that he actually made that quote, but maybe he did. He was imperfect. Penn was imperfect. Washington was imperfect. Franklin was imperfect. But yet they had some good statements and things for us to chew on. But we have Jesus who's perfect in every way. And I want, you to, sh I want to share with you today his view of government. One of his views, for sure. Verse 13, Mark 12. And they sent to him, they, probably the head Pharisees, the head Sadducees, probably Herod himself, Herod Antipas. And they sent to him some of the Pharisees and some of the Herodians to trap him in his talk. Now, that's an interesting combination, the Pharisees and the Herodians. They didn't like each other. They, they, their power struggle was on opposite ends. The Pharisees' power struggle was, was religion, and that was their power struggle. The problem the Pharisees had with Jesus was the claim he was the Son of God, the Messiah. The Messiah can't come unless he comes through the Pharisees. The Pharisees have to approve of the Messiah, which is a mind-blowing thing. So here they are still looking for the Messiah because they're still in charge. And Jesus came and they missed him. And then you have the Herodians. The Herodians uh, were followers of Herod Antipas. And it's, it's part of the Pharisees, but it's a political group. And the Herodians... They weren't most concerned with people being upright in the Jewish faith. They were concerned with losing their power. And here they are, both the Pharisees and the Herodians, here they are under the Roman power. And, and Herod Antipas, he's given the ability to lead by the Romans. And the Pharisees are allowed to govern in religious laws and ceremonial laws and those things in the religious world by the power of the Romans. So both the Romans, I mean, both the, the Pharisees and the Rhodians, they're always trying to negotiate their way with the Rome, with Rome being in charge and the Caesar being in charge. They couldn't whip the Romans. They couldn't drive the Romans out. They didn't have the military to fight them. The Romans had won victory after victory and they controlled all the land. And, and, and so Herod was a paranoid maniac. And you can see that by some of his great architecture that he did. He, he built palaces. He, he built fortifications. He built the thing on, on Masada, for God's sakes. He wanted no one to be able to touch him. He was, he was scared. And you know he was, what he was most fearful of was losing his life for sure, but also what he was most concerned with was losing power. It's been going on a long time. Both political parties in our country, regardless of what they say, their number one goal is power. Their number one goal is to be in charge. And they fight to tooth and toenail 
to be in, to be in charge. They lie to keep power. It's been going on forever. And, and, and what you see going on in our political world today is what Herod was all about. Keep the Romans happy. Keep the Jews happy. How in the world can you keep both the Romans and the Jews happy? Well, it was a real struggle, but that's what the Herodians wanted to do. And so you see here, you've got the Pharisees and the Herodians coming together who didn't like each other. Why? Because they had a common enemy. And just like today, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. And that's what was happening. And so they come to Jesus trying to trick him. And they came to him and said, Teacher, we know that you are true and do not care about anyone's opinion, for you are not swayed by appearances, but truly teach the way of God. Boy, that's some flattery. Now, first of all, if they believe this, what's the problem with Jesus? I mean, Jesus, he is a teacher who is true. He doesn't care about anyone's opinion. That's something we need in our Messiah, right? Not swayed by appearances. Now, the Herodians knew what it was like to be swayed by appearances. The Pharisees knew exactly what it's like to be swayed by appearances, because who you are and what you did meant more than your character, the color of your skin, where you go to church, what you believe in meant more than your character going on today. Nothing's new under the sun, in other words. But, but of course, they don't believe these things. So one lesson for us today is a byproduct of this is be careful with flattery. You know, haven't you found in life that people that, that uh, flatter you the most are the ones that stuck, stick the knife in the deepest at one point or another? And so here they are just, just, you know, speaking smoke, blowing smoke, not really meaning any of this, but thinking that their political or their, you know, their uh, persuasive skills are at work. And here's their question. Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Should we pay them or should we not? We'll see what Jesus answered, but I will tell you up front that if Jesus had answered, you don't have to pay your taxes, Jesus would be really popular today. Wouldn't he? Because what he has to say here influences our relationship with government. And it should influence our relationship with government. Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Should we pay them or should we not? Verse 15 says, but knowing their hypocrisy, they thought they were going to get one over on him, and they're not. They can't get, they can't get one over on Jesus. Jesus knew their heart. Jesus knew what they were really up to. It says, knowing their hypocrisy he said to them, why put me to the test? Bring me a denarius. Bring me a coin, he says, and let me look at it. So they did. And he says to them, 
Whose likeness and inscription is this? And they said to him, Caesar's. So here's his answer. Render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. And it just concludes that, that statement, the answer to their question with this, and they marveled at him. So what did, first of all, what Jesus says here blows their mind. They don't really know what he said. They don't really know the implications of this. They just realized that they didn't trap him. But man, what Jesus says here means a lot. It's no big deal, Jesus says. It's all right. Who's it, whose coin is this? It's Caesar's. Well, give to Caesar what is Caesar's and give to God what is God's. Now, there's far more here than paying taxes. Check it out. He compared Caesar with God. How does that compare? It's, it's a huge, it's a huge overmatch. I mean, you've got God, you've got Caesar. Now, the most powerful man in the land was Caesar, but he's no match for God. I mean, if you're going to play games here, guys, if you're going to play games and you're going to try to manipulate the situation, you're going to be political, and, and you're going to try to have your, your cake eat it too, and you're going to negotiate, you're going to straddle the fence, and, and you're going to try to keep the Romans happy, you're going to try to keep the Jews happy and all those kind of things, Jesus just walloped them. And he said, give to Caesar what is Caesar's, no big deal. If Caesar needs it, give to him. He requests it, give it. We're not bound by that relationship. We just do it because there's something far greater. There's something far bigger, and there's something, some, there's something far, far better, and that is God. And that is absolutely true of our relationship with government, no matter how good you think government is or how bad you think government is. Compared to God, government is no big deal in comparison. Now, I like our country. I'm not be beating up our country. I'm exalting God. There's a real difference. One of the coolest things I ever saw, which really speaks to, I think, our country and some of our values. We're at Pendleton, and my little grandkids are, are playing soccer. And I kid you not, there's six or seven soccer games going on, all ages, four years old, 12 years, older kids on another field, and, and there's hundreds of kids all around these soccer fields. And it was in the evening, and they start to blow colors. And I kid you not, simultaneously at one time, and I was sitting in a lawn chair watching Lexi play, I think it was, and I was checking out, and I, I just had to, to see across several fields, not one ball was kicked again. Every kid in that whole place. Now, their dads did because they're Marines. So of course they did. They stood and faced the flag like Marines do. Their wives did. But the, the mind-blowing thing was all those kids did. And they just quit the game, turned away from it. And those little kids from four years old all the way up are standing at attention, paying respect to our flag and what it represents. That's the coolest thing ever. I mean, that doesn't happen in all countries. That's an amazing thing. And what was really amazing about it 
as soon as colors is over and there's some kind of little trumpet ditty at the end, and as soon as that little ditty starts, every game started right back. It was the coolest thing. And, and I just couldn't get over it. I mean, I grew up on an Air Force base mostly in my life, and I'd been around it. I know about colors and those kind of things. But I, was, I, I just don't know that I ever experienced it quite like that all at one time that I could visibly see patriotism even among the kids. And even the little babies, you know, just the little two and three and four-year-olds, they might be moving around a little bit, but they weren't going, Daddy, hold me, hold, nothing like that. They all, it was quiet except for the, the trumpet on the colors. So that's a great country. That, that speaks volumes about us. But when you compare our country with God, there's no comparison. So don't trust in the country. Respect the country. Be involved in the things of the country. But by all means, don't allow the country to make you miserable. Don't allow the government to make you miserable. Give to Caesar what is Caesar, but give to God what is God's. And God is huge, so much bigger than the government. And do you realize that if God breathes a country as powerful as ours, it, it, it'll collapse. I mean, the only reason our country is here because of God, and if God set it up, he can take it down, and he will in his choosing. And I reckon as soon as he's had enough, that's exactly what he'll do. And so don't let the stuff in our country take away your joy, your peace, your courage, your strength, because it's no comparison to God. And, and, and Jesus just says, lays it out here, and he says, all right then, here's the deal. Render to Caesar what is Caesar's, but render to God what is God's. Caesar, God, how does that compare? It doesn't. And Caesar was the most powerful man in the world at that time. No more, no one in that first century more powerful than Caesar. So on this 4th of July, celebrate our country. Absolutely, nothing wrong with that. Celebrate our freedom that we have. Celebrate the freedom of speech that we have. Celebrate all the things that you believe is good about our country. And all the things that you think ought to be worked on, get involved. Do something about it but unattached, not, not just overwhelmed with it or all consumed with it, understanding never so much that you leave God out. And frankly, it ought to never wear us out. It ought to never overwhelm us. It ought to never come to the place where it destroys our hope and our peace because God's bigger. And so what Jesus is saying here is submit to God, trust in God, believe in God, God is bigger than the country. God is bigger than Caesar. God is bigger than your political problems, Herodians and Pharisees. God is bigger than your manipulations. God is bigger than who you think you are because both the Herodians and the Pharisees thought they were everything. And Jesus just lays it out. He just laid it out. To me, this is not about taxes. It is about taxes, but it's not about taxes. It's bigger than that. It's about our relationship with our country. And our relationship with our country is this. 
We are citizens of the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is more important. We are citizens of the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is more powerful. We are, we are citizens of the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is far better than our country. We're just here doing God's work, worshiping God. And along the way, we're Americans, and we enjoy that. But it's not everything to us. But God is everything to us, and that's the way it ought to be. Father, help us to have a good relationship between you and our land and our country. And Lord, I just think that if we're unfettered, untied, not bound to the way things are here, we'll be more effective for you. And Lord, what the, the, our politicians need more than anything is a change of heart. What our leaders need more than anything is a change of heart. And Lord, only you can do that. Lord, all the crime that we see happening in our land, what, what needs to happen is a change of heart. And you've given us the way that happens. You've given us that reconciliation ministry to help people experience a change of heart. And Lord, I pray that you'll empower us and you'll motivate us, you'll inspire us. And, and Lord, uh, as we celebrate the 4th of July, may we have it in the right spot, the right perspective, and recognize that it's a day of giving you honor and glory that you're so worthy of. In Jesus' name, amen. Ushers, please come forth.